Listen, here's, here's what we're going to do. It's our last night of youth conference. And, um, you know, I, I, every year, I don't even know why I set myself up, honestly, to do this. Every single year, I prepare a message. And, um, you know, every preacher does it. They probably wouldn't admit it to you, but every preacher does it. I promise you, every preacher does it. You know, you want to get your best conference message. You, you want to get that message that's going to have them just running into each other and, and bumping into the walls. You, you, you want to get that message that when they see you next year, they still talk about the message from last year. And so, so when I left here last year, I started preparing for this year. I said, Lord, give me. Give me my woman, now I loose message. That's, that's the message I want. I want. I want my no more sheets message. Give me that message. And, and um, <laughs> I prayed and, and I, I, had a, I had a really, really, really awesome message that I, I was excited to share. And, um, and I just, I said, man, this is going to bless so many people. And um, when I got here this week, the Lord began to kind of disrupt what I wanted because he said, Blaine, it's not about you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's about what I need to happen in this moment. And this is a very sensitive moment in a church where, and in a time where we're losing our young people, we have to be very strategic and sensitive to every opportunity that we get to talk to youth and young adults. And we've got to act like it is our last because it may, very well may be our last. And so the Lord said, there, there's something else. And, and you know, as we were planning for this conference, the theme this year is identity. And as we were talking to the staff, intentionally, we wanted to create conversations and discussion this week that will provoke the question, who am I? We, we wanted every single person that came here to leave asking the question, who am I? What does God want from me? And what does God need me to do, not just now, but what does God need me to do next? And um, I, I, I thought that that was like the totality of why we were here. But as, as, we, as we gathered this week and as we talked this week, I realized and sensed that there was an even greater question that God had brought us together for. Not only does he want us to ask the question, who am I? But more importantly, I believe that God is forcing us to the table to have a conversation to answer this question. Who are we? Who am I? I, I? I know understanding who we are is important. But this week, every single theme and every single conversation unintentionally has not just been understanding the identity of self, but it's been about understanding the identity of the church. And what good is it if we leave here with an understanding of who we are individually if we leave ignorant to the power of who we are corporately. So the Lord said, Bland, I know you got a good message and preach it somewhere else. But he said, but, but tonight I, I want you to, to have a conversation that will challenge people to reevaluate the question, who are we? Meaning, who are we as it relates to the church. The Bible says that our bodies are the temples of the Lord. And um, so I want to talk to you all tonight about that. And I, I want to I share with you because I believe that there is a door that has been opened by the enemy. And if we're not careful. And so 
I apologize in advance if this is not one of those screaming messages. But, but just, just bear with me. Just hear me out tonight. Just bear with me. I, I need to talk to every bishop, every pastor, every youth leader, every teenager, every young adult, every child. We got to have a serious conversation tonight because the future is in our hands. And um, if, if, if we just shout and dance, we're going to miss our assignment, not just in this season, but in the next season. And, and so I think that one of my assignments tonight is, is to challenge us that when we leave here, we can take this conversation back to our local church. I, I don't want this conversation to die here tonight, but, but I think that this is important for us to take this conversation back to our local church. And so y'all do me a favor. Join me in the gospel of Luke, the, the 15th chapter. You all can remain seated. Luke, the 15th chapter. And um, starting at the 11th verse, a very familiar passage of scripture, but I, the Lord brought it to me this morning and um, began speaking to me from this. And so y'all bear with me. Most people know I'm not, I'm not a manuscript preacher, um, but as the Lord began to talk, I just began to write. And so I want to share some things with you and, and we'll, we'll get to where we're supposed to go. It's, it's 854. We're going to get out in good time tonight. Luke 15 and verse number 11 from the King James Version. And he said, speaking of Jesus, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. He divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Current colloquialism, you could put ratchet there. Verse number 14, and when he had spent all, <laughs> when he had spent all, he didn't realize it when he still had something left, but when he had spent all, they loved him until he had spent it all. He was the man until he had spent it all. And, and when he had spent all, <laughs> there arose a mighty famine in the land. He began to be in want. Some people in the room tonight that you... You've wasted some things, spent some things, lost some things, and then you went through a famine, and now you're dealing with a whole bunch of want. Verse number 15, and he went and joined himself. He, he connected himself. He, he made covenant, partnership to a citizen of that country and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. He was making it rain. Now he's feeding pigs. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. 
broke, alone, in situations he told himself he'd never be in, and now contemplating doing things he said he would never do. And no one will help him. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and despair and I perish with hunger? How foolish is it of me? I left a place where I had it all and left and now I have nothing. I will arise and go to my father. I don't have to stay here if I don't want to. I don't care how hard life gets. God still got something better for me. I, my failure is not final. I'm going to rise and go to my father. And will say unto him, Father, I messed up. And I sinned against heaven. And even before you, I know I'm not worthy to be called a son, but just make me a servant. God. He arose and came to his father. But when he was a great way off, the father saw him and had compassion on him. Could have could have kicked him out but he had compassion he didn't do things the right way but he had compassion on him he, he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him and the son said unto him father I sinned against you I messed up and in thy sight and I'm no world worthy to be called thy son but the father said unto his servants bring forth the best robe go and get that one that's in the back of the closet I want you to get that special event robe. Get the best robe. Put it on. Put a ring on his hand. Put shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf. I want you to get the best one you can find. Kill it. And let us eat and be messy. No. Let us eat. And be merry. Hallelujah. For this son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Thus the scripture. For the next few moments, I want to speak from the subject, I'm tired of this church. I'm tired of this church. This December... 2018, on the other side of the country, in Oakland, California, a group of believers gathered at their annual Christmas pageant, and they prepared to hear the Christmas 
stories and the Christmas messages from the children. And unbeknownst to him, a six-year-old boy by the name of Nasir Pharrell ended up delivering one of the most decades, most profound speeches. He chose not to take the traditional route of talking about Bethlehem. He overlooked the Virgin Mary. He did not include the three wise men. He said nothing about the star. Instead, he chose to share a message and a word from his heart. A word that was not poetic. A word that was not long. Shared a word that only had five words. I'm tired of this church. Nazir had no idea that this speech would be the decade's most important speech. He had no idea that millions of people around the world would rally around five words of frustration. I'm tired of this church. He had no idea that he would be a revolutionist. Challenge systems of old thinking with five words. I'm tired of this church. He, he didn't realize that not only would he surprise, but he would liberate a whole culture of people with just five words. I'm tired of this church. Interestingly enough, I asked myself the question, how is it that a six-year-old boy who should be full of energy could come to be tired of anything? I'm tired of this church. Never served on the missionary board. But I'm tired of this church. Never had to counsel people, but I'm, I'm tired of this. Never paid tithes in my life. But I'm tired of this church. Never had to preach a message, but I'm I'm tired of this church. What could make a six-year-old boy who should be energetic and exuberant tired of this church? I, I, I did some research and I found a Facebook Live video of Nasir and his father talking about why he was tired of the church. I, 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 I wrote it down here because I wanted you to hear what Nasir said. Nasir says this in the interview. He says, I was with my grandma at church and I had not practiced my speech. 
He said, I started to get mad and I went on stage and I said, I'm tired of this church. He said, the pastor took him in the bathroom and told him, Nazir, don't you ever do that again. His father said in the report that when Nasir got home, he beat him for what he said about the church. And if that was not enough, his mother said that she told his grandmother before the pageant that Nasir was not ready to be on that platform. I, I began to quickly understand why Nasir was tired of this church. First reason why Nasir was tired of this church is because he was asked to perform without proper preparation. They, they realized that he had a gift, but nobody prepared him for the moment. They pushed him out there, and then they were surprised when he did not perform the way he, nobody mentored him. Nobody sat down and helped him write the message. Nobody talked over it with him. They just put him out there and said, go ahead, baby. You can do it. Make it work. And he was asking, who's going to prepare me for what you're asking me to do? Who's going to talk to me? Who? Who's going to spend time with me? You know what? I'm tired of this. Tired of, of this church. Not only was he asked to perform without proper preparation, but they demanded his gift while ignoring his feelings. As I watched the video... Nazir stomped his way to the microphone. Not a grin, not a smile, not a skip, but a stomp. Face turned upside Y'all, y'all see it, y'all see it, y'all see it, y'all see it. They, they looked over the fact that he appeared mad because all they could see was his gift while they ignored his feelings. Nobody asked him, why you mad? Nobody asked him, what happened to you? Nobody asked him, why you don't want to be here? All they said is go and tap dance for us, perform, and he said, I'm tired of tired of this church y'all 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 want me to perform without preparation you you want my gift but you want to ignore how i feel i'm 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 tired i'm i've been trying to tell you i'm i'm tired y'all missed the warning signs when when you see me stomping you should have stopped me you you missed the warning signs when you see me sitting in the back of the church somebody should have asked me why i was there when, when you didn't see me at the youth meeting somebody should have called me you missed all the warning signs because you wanted the gift but ignored how I feel I'm tired I'm tired tired of tired of this 
church. Another reason why I think Nasir was tired of his church is because the church wanted to be heard, but the church was not willing to listen. In the interview, Nasir said his pastor pulled him in a room and told him, you better not do that again. His pastor never asked him, why are you tired? His pastor never asked him, did something happen to you? His pastor never asked him, tell me why you mad. All he wanted to do was communicate a message but wasn't willing to receive a message. And I don't mind listening to you but at the very least all I'm asking you to do is listen to me. I don't mind hearing from you but all I'm asking you to do is hear from me. I know you got wisdom but I got wisdom. You know what? I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I've been trying to tell y'all. I'm, I'm tired. I've been, I've been coming, but I'm, I'm tired. I, I, I'm still on the choir, but I'm, I'm tired. I know. I know. I hear an outcry, but the truth is, I'm, I'm tired. I, I'm tired. I'm tired. Ain't, ain't nobody caring about me. I'm tired. Uh, everybody overlooking me. I'm tired. Uh, everybody want to have a confrontation, uh, but not a conversation. I'm tired. Uh, everybody mislabeling me. I'm tired uh, of being judged. I'm tired uh, of being pushed. I'm tired of being provoked. I'm tired. I'm tired of this, this church. Last, last reason why Nasir was tired of this church is because after expressing the sentiments of his heart hoping that these words would provoke conversation he got home and got beat I'm tired of this church because I'm tired of expressing the way I feel and people beating me. I'm tired of serving while beat. I'm tired of singing while beat. I'm, I'm tired of people mishandling me. I'm, I'm tired of people talking about me. I'm tired of people telling me what to do without asking me what I want to do. I'm tired of being abused. I don't mind correction, but I didn't sign up to get beat. I'm tired of you putting your hands on me. I'm tired of you dropping me. I'm tired of you messing with my life. I'm tired of this church. I'm trying. I'm tired. I'm tired of this. This church. Nasir seemingly is not the only one who is tired of this church. In Luke, the 15th chapter, we, we find a family that seemingly also is tired of this church. And interestingly enough, another young person seemingly tired 
this church. The Bible says that Jesus is telling a story, a trilogy of events, because he's trying to get the church to understand why we lose people. He's talking to the church because he's saying, you're losing people and you don't get it. People are walking away and you don't get it. People are being hurt and you don't get it. So he says, let me tell you a story to help you get it. So he tells a story, a trilogy about three lost things. The first story that he gives them is the parable of the lost sheep. He says there's a hundred sheep. The shepherd allows one sheep to go astray. And he asked the church, what should the shepherd do? And they respond to him and say, be good with the 99 and forget about the one doing his own thing. Jesus says to them, you know what? I'm tired of this church because that's the wrong answer. You, you got a hundred. I gave you a hundred. I expect you to do right by a hundred. I, I don't care if they left. I don't care why they left. I don't even care if they were wrong when they left. Your responsibility was not to manage 99. Your responsibility was to manage a hundred. And so if they left, it wasn't them who was lost. It was you who was lost. You got to leave the 99 and go out. To the one he says okay let's take it up a notch second story there's a woman who has ten coins and she loses one in the house what should this woman do after hearing from Jesus, you would think that they would get it, but it seemed like they needed a tutor or something. They say, Jesus, well, if she still has nine coins, shouldn't she thank God that she didn't lose more than one? And Jesus says, that ain't how you handle lost things. He says, let me show you how you handle lost things. Because everything that's lost don't get lost outside. Uh, some things get lost right uh, in the house. Everybody who's lost ain't clubbing. Some people lost uh, and they've been clapping their hands all week long. Uh, this is how you handle lost things. Uh, you got to clean everything in the house. Search until you find the thing that has been missing. And then he closes with this last story. He says, there's a father who has two sons. And listen to what Jesus says. Not the older one, but the younger one. goes to his father and says give me my stuff and let me go. He says the son takes 
his inheritance, leaves the house and spends every dime he had, finds himself by himself, contemplating, eating slop from the pigs, and comes to his senses and says, even if I was a servant in my father's house, life would never be as bad as this. Three stories about lost things. First story, something that gets lost because of the shepherd. Some would say, no, it's not the shepherd's fault, but Sheep are dumb animals by nature. They are wayward at best. That's why the shepherd was giving the rod. Because the hook was to catch whatever wandered from the fold. And so if the sheep was gone, the question is, how did the sheep leave? Sheep can only leave if the shepherd is not paying attention. Second story is about something that gets lost in the house. Third story, story about something that gets lost to the world. Jesus is trying to have a conversation with the church to help the church understand the age-old discrepancy of generation. I know you think that you, your, your church is the first church to ever have pastors and young people who don't get along. I, I know you think that you're the first one to ever be misunderstood, but the reality is Jesus understood that the church has always had a problem with retention, uh, and the church has always had issues with generations, uh, and Jesus now here is trying to help the church uh, rectify the fact uh, that people who are sent here uh, should not be leaving here. Uh, let's have a conversation conversation uh, to figure out how do we stop people from being lost and so this third story is an important story because this third story encapsulates all three vignettes in one story we have something that has been lost by the shepherd something that has been lost in the house and something that has been lost in the world. How did this happen? <laughs> Can I be honest with you? And I'm almost done. Here's how it happened. It happened because everybody was tired. Everybody was tired. Bad things happened. When you get tired, you, you ever drove tired, praying God just get me home? Bad things happen when you're tired. You, you ever went to work tired? 
I'm, I'm, I'm a great employee when, when I'm rested, but don't try me when, when I'm tired. The last thing you want to do is send me a complaint when I'm tired. The last thing you want to do is have an attitude with me when I'm tired. I'm not responsible for the words that come out my mouth when I'm tired. I, I can't be judged for what I do when I'm bad things happen when you're When you're tired. And here in the text, we're dealing with not just one, but two tired people. Apparently, we already understand that the son is tired because he wants his stuff and he's ready to go. But, but what we never pay attention to is the other tired person in the text. The young person wasn't the only one that was tired. The son wasn't the only one that was tired. But the father was tired too. How do we know the father was tired? Because his son his youngest son, his inexperienced son, his ambitious son, his ignorant son, asks for inheritance, and he's too tired to even ask him why. There's no conversation, there's no dialogue, there's nothing that Luke records in the text that the father even says. The father stops talking to him, and instead of trying to help him, instead of trying to warn him, he gives him his stuff and goes on his way, because the reality is, sons don't just get tired, fathers get tired too. do you do when you got one house and everybody's tired I'm tired of cupping my hands I'm tired of looking at you I'm tired of hearing complaints I'm tired of helping people I'm tired of paying your bills I'm tired of being picked on I'm tired of being laughed at I'm tired of having to show up I'm tired of touching my neighbor I'm tired of doing this I'm tired this church here is the reality the state of the church the young people ain't just tired the older people tired too tired from serving Tired from being misunderstood. Tired of repeating your wants and desires. Tired of being stabbed in the back. Tired of being seen as a come up. Tired of being an opportunist disguised as a son. Tired. Tired of, of gifts. <laughs> but denying feelings, tired of coming to church every single Sunday broken and nobody's asked me if I'm okay, tired of crying myself to sleep at night while you keep on telling me he's going to fix it after a while, tired of every single time I turn around, seem like everybody else is blessed for me, tired of seeing some people favorited and other people's looked over, tired of not being valued, tired of not being supported, Tired of this 
bad things happen when you're tired. People get lost when you're tired. Father's tired. Son's tired. Everybody. Truth is I'm tired. And you know what I realized? We have not resolved fatigue and we have not addressed frustration. The problem with the church is not a generational problem. It's a tired problem. We're too tired to have conversations. We're too tired to get back up after we've been knocked down. We're too tired to show up after our feelings have been hurt. We're too tired to address conflict and misunderstanding. So one person can say one wrong thing to you and you can leave the church. Your boss been talking to you crazy all year and you show up to work still. The fact is you're just tired. And you know what? Tired people make tired decisions. And they live tired lives. How do I know this? The son is tired and so he chooses instead of the fight he chooses to leave. Tired of being misunderstood I'd rather leave than have another conversation. I'm tired of people talking about me. Seemed like when I went to the club, more people loved me than when I came to church. I'm, I'm, I'm tired that it seems like everybody can speak in tongues but can't speak to me. I'm, I wish I had a church in here. I'm, 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 I'm tired that, that people know I'm broken. They see I'm broken. They go to the diner and talk about me being broken. But nobody anywhere has enough Holy Ghost to come to me and ask me, do you even want to be fixed? I, I'm tired. T tired people make tired decisions and they live tired lives. Father is tired, and so he's making tired decisions as well. You tired? I'm tired. You want to leave? Go. You want your stuff here? You think you can make it on your own? Fine. Tired people make tired decisions and live the consequences of a tired life. He left the house thinking that it would be better outside than in only to find that his life is worse than it was at his father's house he was so tired that he forgot why he was in the house in the first place he, he, was, he was so tired that he forgot 
about the benefits of being a son to a wealthy father. He, he was so tired that the enemy played tricks with his mind and made him think that those people that called him and texted him really loved him. He was too tired to see that that was all a scheme and that was all a lie and they were only with him when he was valuable asset to them but the moment he was broke they were nowhere to be found. He was too tired to think straight. Tired people make tired decisions and they live tired lives and he reaches a place where he's so tired <laughs> that he gets tired of being tired. He, he reaches a place I'm going to preach in a few minutes he, he reaches a place where, where he's so broke that he gets tired of being broke he, he reaches a place where he's so lonely that he gets tired of, of being lonely he, he reaches a place where he's so broken that he gets tired of being broken and while on the floor of a pig pen he comes to himself while in the worst situation of his life the light bulb finally went off he had to wait till all hell broke loose he had to wait till he had nothing left he had to wait till he was in the famine but somehow somewhere he got to a place where he said I'm tired of being I wish you would look at somebody on your road and tell them say neighbor I hope you're tired of being tired I hope you're tired of complaining I hope you're tired of borrowing I hope you're tired of explaining I hope you're tired of complaining I'm tired of being tired Tired, being tired, tired, being tired, tired, being tired. What do you do when you're tired of being tired? Where do you go? When you're tired, being tired, huh? how do you respond when you when you're tired, being tired? What does it look like when you're tired, being tired? What what happens when you're tired? Tired of crying, tired of being used, tired of being broke, tired of begging and borrowing, tired of place to place, tired of check to check, tired of disappointment, tired of hurt. Herein lies the answer. When you're tired of being tired, know where your strength comes from. When, when you're tired of being tired, you got to know where your power 
comes from. When, when you're tired of being tired, you got to know where your help comes from. When, when you're tired of being tired, you got to know where your strength is. He comes to himself and listen to what he says. He says, let me call my friends. No. And what he said? Let me post this on Facebook. No. That ain't what he said. Let me talk to people about my father and tell them how horrible of a person he is. No. That ain't time. Let me continue to live my life in sin and waste my time away. No. That ain't what he said. He said, let me go back to my father's. I wish I could preach right here for just a few seconds that for some of you, you in a season of frustration, uh, you in a season of fatigue, uh, you in a season of famine, uh, and the enemy wanted you to die tired. Uh, but you came to outcry and said, God, uh, the reality is I'm tired uh, of being tired uh, and I'm not going back home uh, tired. Uh, I'm not going back to my church uh, tired. Uh, I'm not going back to work uh, tired. Uh, I'm not going back to my family tired. I'm not going back to ministry tired. So before I lose my grip and before I lose my hope, let me come back to my fathers. My fathers. My fathers. My father's house because help is in the house. You want to touch two people and just tell them, say, neighbor, help is in the house. That's why the devil don't want you to be there, because joy is in the house. That's why he sent demons on disguise to make you leave in the first place. Your identity is in the house. That's why he keeps on showing up every time you show up. Everything you need. It's old school, but it's true. Tell somebody, it's still in the house. It's, it's still in the house. You won't have to live like this. It's in the house. You, you don't have to cry like you've been crying. It's in the house. The fight is not against you. The fight is keeping you out of the house. Because as long as you're out of the house, you're going to try to be everybody else you see on Instagram. As long as you're out of the house, you'll keep cupping and smoking and drinking. As long as you're out of the house, you'll keep being nasty and giving people your body. As long as you're out of the house, you'll keep ruining your life. The help is in the house. We got more people who are spiritual and less people who are saved. Because the enemy has told you, you don't need the house. We got people who will preach on platform but never in their church. Because you don't think you need the house. You go to the club but won't come to service because you don't understand that your strength is in the house. And that's why you've been going through what you've been going through. Because the enemy has been trying to get you to leave the house. The enemy has been trying to get you to go somewhere else. But he says, I, I got to go back. To my father's house. Y'all be seated. A couple things I want to share with you and I'm, I'm done. Is this okay, y'all? Is it y'all getting anything out of this? 
So now, here's the part that I really need you to pay attention to. Every bishop, every pastor, every leader, every youth leader, every young adult, every first lady, every child, every usher, every van driver, every Sunday school teacher, every door opener, every janitor, sound man, light man, drummer, musician. Look at somebody say, you too, you too, you too, you too. Here's what I want to do because I, I, I want to wrap this up. It's 937. I've got to get you out of here. Two things I want to do. I want to help us understand the right way and the wrong way to handle generational frustration and fatigue. Because here is, here's the whole message right here. I started out by saying that I believe that God wants us to understand not just who I am, but God wants us to understand who we are. And when I say who we are, what I'm saying is who we are as the church. So the question becomes, how do I identify with something I'm tired of? How do I even begin a dialogue about something that I'm already wary concerning? How do, how do I re-engage with something that has been the source of my frustration? How do I trust something that has abused my trust? How, how do I deal with generational frustration? Here's the first thing that we've got to understand is, is that the church is not democratic or republic. The church is not black or white. The church is not even Baptist or Pentecostal. Can I help you? Here's what I'm really trying to get to. The church is not even young or old. When we talk about the church and the identity of the church, we must realize that the church has never been either or but the strength of the church has always been both and. The church is the young and the old. The church is the black and the white. The church is the Baptist and the Pentecostal. The church is the Democrat and the Republican. We are the church and the strength of the church is in our ability to cooperate and work together. The more you work with me and the more I work with you, the more you understand me and the more I understand you, the more we dialogue together, the more we become the church. Jesus understood this because every time he talks about the church, he doesn't just talk about an old church, he doesn't just talk about a young church, but he talks about a church with young and old because the old need the young and the young need the old and when we come together, we become the church. Not just any church, but we become a strong church. The question now is how do people get tired of the church? People get tired when strength is separated. The reason why our churches are tired is because our young don't speak to our old and our old don't speak to our young. And so now the church is divided and weakened because we are the church. You ain't the church. You ain't the church. You 
ain't the church. We only the church when we come together. And whenever we come together, the church becomes something that breaks strongholds. The church becomes something that reverses curses. The church becomes something that changes systems and structures. Tell somebody, we are the church. We are the church. So now when we understand that we are the church, the church is a collaborative organism. The old benefit from the young, the young benefit from the old. They need our strength, we need their wisdom. Without one, the other cannot function. What good is wisdom with no strength? What good is strength with no wisdom? So now the church is handicapped and crippled because we got strong dummies. So you can sing and you can preach and you can run, but you can't cast out a devil huh? because we are the church. I wish I could. I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. What time is it? What time is it? What time? Okay, so, so y'all be seated. So here's, 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 here's a couple things I got to give you. I need you to take this home. I need you to take this home. I need you to grab this because I need you to stop being tired of the church. I need, I need you to go back and I need you to stop being tired of the church. But, but I, I got I to help you understand what do you do when you're tired? Because even Jesus said, don't get weary in well-doing. The reality is we do get tired. And there's nothing wrong with being tired. But the Bible says that they that wait on the Lord, he shall renew their strength. And so, so, so here's the wrong way to handle fatigue and frustration, especially when it comes to generations. And here is what the enemy has been implementing in our church to keep us separated, to keep us divided, and to keep us weak that helps us grow tired. The first thing is the wrong way to handle fatigue and frustration, dishonor and disrespect. It's okay to be tired, but even when you're tired, it's not a license or endorsement to dishonor or disrespect. This is the problem with the sun because even though the sun raises a good point about not wanting to be there, the father cannot hear them because the sound of dishonor and disrespect is so loud that it deafens your feelings towards me. I don't hear the problem, I hear the disrespect. And so I can't respond to your problem. All I can do is pop off and fire back concerning the disrespect. It goes for both sides. The fathers cannot dishonor and disrespect the sons, and the sons cannot dishonor and disrespect the fathers. Are y'all with me? All right, I know y'all don't like this, but this is what God gave me, so this is what I'm going to give to you. Here's the second thing that you must not do when dealing with fatigue and frustration, especially concerning generations. You cannot, I repeat, you cannot abandon the assignment. If God has sent you to your church, you are still called to your church even when you're tired of your church.
I'm not here because of them. I'm here because I've been called here. I'm, I'm not here for my friends. I'm here on assignment. And my assignment is not invalid because they don't like me. Because they don't like me does not give me a reason to switch churches, to leave departments, to throw in the towel, to quit, to go anywhere else. I can be frustrated, but I must never, look at somebody say, don't abandon the assignment. Don't, don't abandon the assignment. Don't abandon the assignment. Don't abandon that's a trick of the enemy because the enemy wants you to leave the house you cannot afford to abandon the assignment I got to move I got to move I wish I had time here's the third thing that you cannot do you can't cancel communication you cannot cancel communication watch what happens here in the text communication becomes canceled the father is so hurt by the dishonor of the son that he stops talking. He's blindsided by the news because he saw him every day and never knew he wanted to leave. Because young people, we have mastered the art ah, of building facades. And so we will smile and we will clap and we will dance and you won't even know we're tired until we already figured out where we're going. He's blindsided by the idea that you were here all the time. You never told me you were broken. You never told me I offended you. You never told me you felt overlooked. You never told me you didn't feel wanted. You never told me you didn't, you didn't even give me an opportunity to fix it. You canceled communication. You ghosted me. Are y'all okay? Y'all alright? Oh, okay, so, so now the question then becomes what is the right way to handle frustration and fatigue. How do, how do I go back to my church and talk to my young people about how frustrated and tired I am? How do I go back to my pastor and articulate how tired I am without dishonoring them, without disrespecting them, without feeling the need or pressure to abandon my assignment? Here's the first thing you should do, and I hope you write this down. The first key to doing it the right way is with the spirit of humility. The son knows that he messed up and made a bad decision. So he's not going back to talk to his father about being a son. He's going back to talk to his father about being a servant. I'm not going to blame you because I made the mistake. I'm, I'm, I'm coming back and however you feel fit, whatever wisdom God gives you, I'll handle it. But I just want you to know I'm good being a servant. He came humble. Came humble. And the problem is, some of the reasons why you haven't been accepted is because you're too arrogant. You feel entitled. Somebody ought to give me something. Somebody ought to apologize. No, you ought to say, I'm sorry. Yeah. 
Humility, humility, humility. Humility on both parts. Humility, humility. Humility opens the door for repentance and restoration. You want anything to change in any relationship? Start with humility. You, you want for God to send forgiveness? Start with humility. Somebody say humility. Here's the next thing. He takes the risk. I don't know what's going to happen when I go back to my father. But I'm going back anyway. I'm going to be humble. Now, humility must be met with acceptance. Because here is the real fear of every millennial. Rejection. It's not that I don't want to say I'm sorry. It's that I fear that you won't accept it. And because I have a fear of acceptance, acceptance is forcing me into a place of isolation because I really want to come back. I just don't want you to say no when I do. Can I help somebody? And so while, while the father sees the son coming back, it would have been within his right to say, go back to where you came from because you forfeited your rights and you've already spent your inheritance. There's nothing left for me to give you. I've already given it to you. It would have been within the father's rights to throw up everything that he did wrong. I told you so. Told you not to leave. Told you not to date them. Told you they wasn't the one. Told you they was going to ruin your life. Told you they were going to do that. No, 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 no. He accepts him because he comes in a spirit of humility. All right, let me, let me give you these last ones and then I'm, I'm going. Here's the next thing. Openness. Openness. How do you deal with frustration and fatigue? How do I, what, what, what ingredients need to be at play for me to have a conversation with somebody who doesn't understand me, who I don't understand them, and we need to be on the same page because we are the church and so we have to work together. So how do we work together and overcome our differences so that we can defeat devils? I promise you, if we talked, there'd be less gay people in our church. Hear me. Not that they would leave, but they would finally be delivered. If we talked, there would be less divorce in our church. Not that people would stop getting married, but they would figure out how to make it work. Are y'all hearing me? If, if we talked, nobody in our church would be broke. Because you'd be able to tell me how you got money and kept money. And you'd be able to tell me you can't spend all your money on a pair of J's. You got to put some aside because your lights are going to be due on the 15th of the month. Humility, acceptance, openness. We have to be open to uncomfortable dialogue. Stop being offended because somebody's saying something you don't like. Grow up. I'm sorry. I thought I was at my church. This is outcry. Let me go back to. We have to be mature enough to be open to deal with conversations and hear even that which is not good about us. We got to be open to people telling us you are wrong. We got to be open to people saying you're my pastor, but you still hurt me. Yeah. 
We got to be open. The father was open to a dialogue with the son. He was open to consider, watch this, that even though you messed up, perhaps could it be I messed up too? How do I know he's open to it? Because the last time we saw the father, he wasn't talking. What makes a father who's been hurt by a son take him back and restore him to where he was before he left? It wasn't just that the son was wrong, but it was that the father realized if I had been talking to my son, he would have never left my house. That the only reason why he was there is because I stopped talking. The only reason why he was there is because I was too busy. The only reason why he was there is because we never had communication. And so watch this. We see a father and a son open to doing new things. The son leaves in pride but returns in humility. The father watches his son leave in silence. But he returns and rewards him with communication. We're open. I'm not asking you to change and I don't change. I'm open. I'm going to do some stuff. You're going to do some stuff. The problem with my church is not my youth. The problem with my church is not my pastor. The problem with the church is the youth and the pastor. We both wrong. We both made mistakes. We both messed up. It happens. We human. We got to fix it. We be open to change. We be open. You preach too long. I don't pray enough. I'm open. I'll pray more. You preach less. Let's do this. I'm open. I'm open. What we, what we, how we do this? I'm open. I'm open. I'm open. Look at somebody say openness. All right. Two more and then I'm done. 9.54. Transfer. 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 As we've been talking about identity this week, what good is identity without Transfer. The identity of the son rests in the impartation of the father. And the value of the father rests in the impartation of the son. The reason why we don't know who we are is because there is a blockage in our transfer. We have strength, but there has been no transfer of wisdom. That's why we do stupid stuff. Y'all ain't told us not to do that. If somebody would have told me, don't send that picture because it lasts forever and everybody will see it. Even when you become a pastor, a bishop, a first lady, a worker, you become a mother. It will be that I wish somebody would have told me that if you would have told me that, I would not have done it. You told me after. What good is it after? I needed a transfer before. Look at somebody say, don't do it. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. I don't care how much they say you love you. You better not do it. Transfer. Watch this. The father, we're talking about identity. Well, I'm almost done. We're talking about identity. We're talking about identity. The father 
sees his son coming to him in a form that he does not recognize because he didn't look like that when he left. He's in, he's in a place that he wasn't before. He is now. Watch this. And the father provides a transfer to restore the son's identity. Go and get the robe. I don't know what he got on right now, but go and get the robe. Watch this. And go and get the ring. The robe restored him as a member of the house. We will not isolate you because you messed up. We will not sit you down without plans to restore you. We won't rebuke you and not sew you back up. Gives him a rope. Watch this. But then he says, give him a ring. Which spoke of authority. Just because you messed up does not mean that you're not profitable to this house. Transfer. Transfer. What happens is a lot of times because we don't understand their mistake and because even though they made mistakes after we told them not to make the mistake we penalize them by withholding our transfer that transfer releases the identity and because nothing has been transferred their identity has been conferred Meaning that anybody is available to put whatever they want to put on them. But when I got a robe, I don't need your robe. And when I got a ring, I don't need your ring. And when I got the Father's love, I don't need your love. And when I have the Father's attention, I won't need. Look at somebody and say, you better start transferring some stuff in your house. All right, last thing, and then I'm done. Here's the last thing. iPad died, but I'm, I got it anyway. Collaboration. Here's the big picture, and I'm done. Y'all play something, praise team, y'all come. Collaboration. Here's a, here it is, in a nutshell. The father has intentions on not replacing the son. The son has intentions on not replacing the father. But they realize... The reason why we were in this is because we were never working together in the first place. I lost you because I stopped talking to you. I lost you because I I didn't spend the time that I needed to spend. I lost you because I wasn't willing to admit that I made mistakes too. You lost me. I lost you and we we were here. We were at this church but we were both tired. We were tired. We both want to change, but we were just too tired to figure out how to change. And so because I was tired and because you were tired, we were tired, the whole system is tired. It wasn't that there wasn't a solution. We were just too tired to see it. It wasn't that God wasn't going to fix it. We were just too tired to believe it. 
It wasn't that I didn't have identity. I was just too tired to know it. And the Lord said, it's time that you get tired being tired. Your strength is in the house. Young people, we need you. Not so young people. We need you too. We need your ideas. We need your wisdom. We need your guidance. We need to figure out how to make this work together. Maybe it's not your idea and maybe it's not my idea, but maybe the strength is in our idea. Maybe it's not your way and maybe it's not my way, but maybe the strength is in our way. And unless the two become one. <laughs> See, as long as the two are two, we're going to be tired because we're always fighting. But the idea of the kingdom is that the two become one. That the two become one. That, that your idea and my idea is so enmeshed together that I can't tell where yours started and I can't tell where mine ends. It's just one. It's not a youth church and an adult church. It's one church. There's one church. There's one faith. There's one Lord. There's one baptism. There's only one. The problem with the church is we started building barriers and stopped building bridges. We messed up our churches. The moment we took the young people out and we put the old people out there, we got to get them together. We got to get on the same page. We got to talk because there's only one church. one church the Lord spoke to me this week he said Blaine I'm done he said Blaine here is now the mission of our church as we transition he said I brought people together this week because there is a, a challenge and an assignment that must happen when we leave here he said for everybody that's tired of your church. He said, tonight, I'm going to give you fresh strength so that you can go back and not be the problem, but you can go back and be the answer. For everybody who's tired of, of the way things have been running, I, I'm going to strengthen you that, that you wouldn't quit, but that you would go back and show up and speak up. God, God said, I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to give you strength until you go back and speak to the powers that be and say, how can we get this done together? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the strength until the young talk to the old and the old talk to the young. I'm going to strengthen you until demons and devils are run out. I'm going to strengthen you until peace comes back. I'm going to strengthen you until unity is restored. Everybody standing.
Everybody stand. Everybody stand. You're here and you're tired. <laughs> and, and can I be honest with you? The reality is church ain't the only thing you're tired of. You're tired of church. You're tired of people. You're tired of your job. You're tired of your parents. Tired of outcry. You so tired, you tired of you. You get in the mirror. Would you just leave? Just go somewhere. Just do something. I'm tired of looking at you. Every time I look in the mirror, you got the same look on your face. I'm done. I believe it's somewhere around Daniel, the 7th chapter, 25th verse, somewhere around there. There's a prophecy that comes to Daniel, and he says, peep the strategy of the enemy. He says, understand how the enemy works. I said, God, how do we get tired? Why are we, why are we so tired? He says, he says, he said, did, did you go to Daniel? Chapter? He, said, he says, the enemy seeks to wear out the saints of the most high God. His job is to make us tired. His job is to make us frustrated because he don't have to make us sin. He just got to make us tired. He don't have to kill the church. He just got to make us tired. He don't have to destroy the futures of our young people. He just got to make us tired. He don't have to attack leadership. He just got to make us tired because when we get tired, we do the work for him. When we get tired, we start arguing and fussing and cussing and fighting. When we get tired, we start quitting and we stop talking. When we get tired, we start bleeding and stop leading. And God said, I'm tired of you being tired. You got a work to do. You got to call on your life. I got a plan for you. There's an assignment for you. You've got to arise. You've got to come forth. I need you in your strength. I need your creative ability. I need your fight. I need your energy. I need your ideas. I need your dreams. I need your plans. I need your anointing. I need your guidance. I need your leadership. I need your wisdom. I need your presence. The only thing I don't need is you being tired. So they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Listen, if you're tired of being tired, meet me at the altar. I don't care who you are. If you're tired of being tired, meet me at the altar. I've been, I've been dealing with this. I've been fighting with this. Come on, meet me at the altar. Young people coming, old people coming. Come on, tired of being tired. I'm, I can't go back to church like this. I can't go back home like this. I, I can't go back to work like this. I'm tired of being tired. I'm, I'm tired of the enemy messing with my mind. I'm tired of feeling rejected. I'm tired of hurting. I'm tired of being misunderstood. I'm tired of being mistreated. I'm tired of being lost. I'm tired of being broke. I'm tired of being by myself. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of cussing. I'm tired of drinking. I'm tired of smoking. I'm tired of sexing. I'm tired of it. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. Tired. I'm here, but I'm tired. I'm, I'm coming because I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired. Nobody even knows I'm tired, but I'm tired. I, 
I've been singing, but I'm tired. I've been preaching, but I'm tired. I, I've been leading, but I'm tired. I've been playing, but I'm tired. I've been dancing, but I'm tired. I've been worshiping, but I'm tired. 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 Can anybody hear me? I'm tired. Does anybody know it? I'm tired. Does anybody care? I'm tired. I'm tired. I, I don't want to be this way. I, I don't want to feel this way. I, I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired. But at least I know where my strength is. At least I know where my strength is. I, I know where my joy is. I, I know how to get it back. I, I know how to get my fight back. I, I'm coming. I'm coming here tired. But I'm leaving here strong. Oh, yeah. We get ready to pray. You better come. Come on. You better come. 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 And as you come to this altar, I want you to open up your mouth and speak to God. Come on. Come on. I need every young person to open up your mouth and speak to God. Come on. You know what you're tired of. You know what you've been carrying. You know what you've been struggling with. I need every young person. Come on, son. Open up your mouth. Come on. Open up your mouth and speak to God. God, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. You know my need. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Every child, every woman, every man, every boy, open up your mouth and speak to God. God, I I need you to restore me. I need you to. I need you to fix me. I need you to. I need you to fill me. I, come on, open up your mouth. You're almost there. You're almost there. I don't want to leave here like this. I don't want to go back to my seat like this. I, I'm scared of me. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I, I'm tired of hurting myself. I, I'm tired of making bad choices. I'm, I'm tired of bad decisions. I'm tired. 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 I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I want to do it, but I'm tired. I need to do it, but I'm tired. Come on. Come on. Come on. You got 20 more seconds. If you're coming, you better come on. Hallelujah. I'm tired. Open up your mouth. Come on. Open up your mouth. Get up and they call Shadabasi. Fresh strength. Fresh strength. Fresh strength. Fresh strength. New ideas. God said, I'm anointing you to be the answer.